In 2010, a young blonde girl charmed us with a guitar, went to Oslo and came right back. And all of Sweden went, that's not possible, that's not fair, we should always win. And the newspapers went bananas. Today, we're gonna know what really happened over there, what has happened since, if she can help me with my rash now when she's almost a doctor, or if it will be just awkward when I show it to her on FaceTime. This is Eurovision Legends, and I'm your hypochondriac host, Eri Lefström. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here because finally we're all going to know everything about This Is My Life. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Lovely. And why I got all these rashes? I don't know. I can't, what kind of rashes do you have? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I guess that this happens to you a lot that people come up to you and ask if you can take a look at this or that. Yeah, especially in these times, you know, with with the pandemic that we're going through, um, friends and family often ask me, you know, could this be COVID? Could this be, you know, can I can I go to work and, and stuff like that? And I have no idea, like the rest of the world, you know, COVID could be could be anything. Yeah, I'm a hairdresser myself. And at every party I go to, there's always someone asking, would I look good in bangs? Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> You came from nowhere and took the Swedish Idol jury by storm in 2008 when you sang the song Have a Heart. Yes. <laughs> and you later ended fifth in the competition. Mm -hmm. One of your acts during the competition was the Swedish winner from 1988, Stardy Juice. That's right. How come you choose that song? Um, each week, I believe... Um, even on Fridays after after the show, we got a bunch of songs to to choose from. Yeah, like maybe ten or fifteen or, or twenty songs, and and I really love the melody. Um, I love uh, uh, Tommy Schaarberg, um, and yeah, I just went for it. You know, I was sixteen years old. I just went with my gut feeling, and um, yeah, I love the song. a song composed by Bobby Jungren with lyrics yes. by Christian Lagerström that was specially written for you. I had no idea that it was especially written for me, actually. Yeah, yeah it was. Maybe I, I forgot. I talked to Christian Lagerström yesterday and he, he told me. Well, that's amazing. Do you remember how the song was presented for you? 
Yes, um, I had just competed in Swedish Idol. I was, I believe, 16 years old still. Um, and I went back to school. And in, in Idol, you signed a contract with a record label saying that uh, you couldn't, couldn't really work with, with any other record label uh, for a year. Um, so I just, I just waited for, for that record label to, to act and to, um, release music with me. And that didn't happen. And that year passed and I went back to school. And one night when I was sitting, you know, in my um, childhood home writing some essay, um, Bobby Jungren called me and, um, he presented himself and, and he was like, do you know, do you know who I am? And at that time, I did not know who, who he was. And, and I, I remember being quite honest about that. So I just said, I do not know who you are. And he explained that, that he, he wrote from at least and, you know, he had won five times. song for me that he wanted me to just try to record vocals on and I went up to Stockholm for for the first time by myself and I I got lost on the subway and I was so late for this meeting uh, but we ended up recording uh, this is my life and um, and yeah they sent it into Melodifestvalen um, and a few weeks or months later I was actually sitting in the school cafeteria with my friends waiting for the phone call from my new manager um, saying whether or not I had made it to Melodifestivalen. And my friends and I, uh, I got the call and I was accepted and my friends and I just ran out into the school uh, yard just falling into the to the grass on each other just screaming and I remember like the rest of the cafeteria just staring at us from the from the window, yeah. At the end, she said to me, Why are you here with the autumn leaves? Cause this is my life, my friend. And this is my time to stand. Now this is my life, my friend. And I can't be Do you remember how the song was presented for you? Um, I remember walking into the studio uh, at former Lionheart in the southern Stockholm and they played the song for me and I loved the melody uh, and I knew somehow that this was a big moment for me and I knew that I had to really perform to, to convince them that, that I was the, the singer for this song. Um, and I did, you know, my ad-libs and I did my take on the song and um, yeah, I just loved it from the start. However, I did not think that I was going to make it even to the final in uh, Melodifestivalen. 
but my manager, Maria Malin Jungren, who I still work with now, we've been working together for um, well, 12 years now. I remember we had a meeting uh, just before uh, the semifinal in Maldivesvalen and we listened to the final master of the song and she said, Anna, you're gonna, you're gonna win Maldivesvalen, you know that, right? <laughs> um, so that was a big moment for me. Was this the only song you sang on that was submitted to the Swedish pre-selection in 2010? Yes, to my knowledge, this was the only one. In a cute white dress, Goldilocks hair, a guitar and a pair of talked about flat converse, you performed your song. Please <laughs> tell us about your styling. Um, well, what, what, uh, what can I tell you about that? Um, I've always loved, you know, um, a waist um, on any clothing that I wear, uh, just, just um, showing the waist in any in any way and yeah i loved my converse i wore them you know every day for 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 years during my teens um and i remember wanting to to uh look kind of relaxed um and i wanted to feel relaxed so um so yeah but i wasn't particularly involved in the styling and i've never really been uh that involved in in the styling you got the most votes in your semi-final out of the eight contestants and went directly through to the final. Were you surprised? Yes, very much so. I, I remember, I really remember the feeling of being an underdog. You know, I competed against um, uh, Peter Jörbach. Penilla Wahlgren. And, you know, after all the rehearsals during that week, uh, there's a press conference and you stand uh, beside your, your own table and you're waiting for the general, journalists and photographers to approach you and no one really approached me. Um, I was uh, not at all uh, considered a competitor uh, in the semifinals. So I, I really do remember that feeling of, of being an underdog and you know, no one, no one is really interested in me or, or what I have to say, uh, um, you know, the feeling of uh, not being looked at as a true uh, competitor, uh, and then after, you know, I was, I was, I was shocked. I was, it was the happiest moment of my life. Um, you know, that feeling of um, of having made it, I guess, is the feeling. Yeah, but that later changed because I covered Melody Festival this year as a reporter and photographer for my good friend's magazine, and I remember that you had the lowest odds of them all in the final. Only two times the money was given. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember the odds were crazy, and I and it was it was between me and uh, Eric Saade. Uh, yeah, so I had even lower odds than him then. Yes, you had? Yeah. Uh, Salim Al-Fakir, Timotei and Darin had low odds too, but they, they was given five the money. I was aiming for the sky, ended up dead on the ground, 
Well, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I believe that some of the really big artists would win, like Peter Jörbak or uh, Salem Al-Fakir. Um, and I really loved both their songs. Um, but then, actually, to, to tell you the truth, I remember waking up on the day of the finals, um, waking up to the sun shining into my hotel room. Um, and I just had this epiphany some kind of feeling telling me that today you are going to win it was a really strong feeling that i had um some kind of epiphany telling me that uh today is your day and you won with 214 points and went all the way to oslo yes all the way <laughs> how was oslo i mean before the semi-final um, I believe we were there for two weeks um, and it was this um, crazy experience for me. I was 18, uh, 18 years old and um, I really felt like a rock star, you know, I got to represent my country. I felt like I was some kind of um, elite sportswoman representing my country and I really worked hard. Um, I put my all into every interview, every rehearsal. Um, I was really hardworking. Um, and yeah, I remember I, I only really have happy memories from those two weeks and we we really I really felt like I I was part of a, a strong uh, Swedish team. It was a big, big experience for me. Um, yeah. You competed in the second semi-final and were pre-tipped to make it to the final. And that sadly didn't happen. And Sweden missed the final for the first time. Was this a scenario that even existed in the mind of the Swedish delegation? Well, I can't speak for the delegation, but I can speak for myself. And I remember uh, correcting journalists when asking me, like, what are you going to do in the final? Or when you make it to the final, how will you feel? And stuff like that. And I always corrected them saying, if I make it to the final. So I believe that I had a humble attitude towards the competition um, all the time, really. And, you know, I took it very seriously, you know, I, 200 million viewers, um, a lot of competing countries. Uh, so I, I really, I really felt humbled um, uh, towards the task. And uh, yeah, it, it was really, it was on my, you know, uh, horizon that that um, it was a possible scenario that I that I perhaps um, wasn't going to make it. What was your reaction? I mean, you were very young, so I assume it couldn't have been easy? No, it was really hard on me. Um, I've watched, you know, footage from, from that moment when I realized that I hadn't made it. 
and I remember this feeling of my gut just sinking. Um, I got really dizzy. Um, I started to cry. Um, you know, there's so much tense uh, tension released in that moment, whether you make it or not. I believe that I would have cried anyway. Um, and then just knowing that now I have to do all these interviews and I have to defend myself and I have to defend what we've done and what we've aimed for. And uh, yeah, it was really hard on me as a young woman having to defend myself like that. Um, but quite quickly after that, I somehow regained strength. It took maybe two or three weeks before I, you know, uh, came back from, from that, um, hole and, uh, yeah, but, it, but that feeling has kind of stuck with me, uh, since, and, you know, it wasn't a great feeling. Did you stay for the rest of the week in Oslo? Or did you after the semifinal go, bye Felicia and went home? <laughs> <laughs> I went straight back to my childhood home the day after the semi-final. And I remember, you know, every every morning in Oslo, I had woken up, you know, the makeup artist came in, um, my manager came in and they were like, this is your schedule for today. What are you going to wear? We'll, we're doing this and this and that and that. And, you know, all these fancy dinners and, you know, just feeling like a rock star. And the, the morning after the semi-final, no one came to my room. Yeah. Um, so it was really, that was, that was, uh, you know, devastating too, you know, the feeling of having lost the magic of those weeks, you know, the feeling of it's over now. So, so I went back and, uh, licked my wounds, as you say in Swedish. How did the media treat you when you lost? Um, they tell me that the media was quite horrible. Um, but I can't really remember anyone being, uh, mean to me or disrespectful in any way. But I have heard that they didn't really write uh, uh, nice things about me, but I didn't read anything, but no one was ever uh, mean to me, to my face. Great. Uh, you missed out on the final by only five points. And if I ask you now, who stole your place? <laughs> I have no idea. This is 12 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> who was it? Uh, Cyprus. Cyprus. Damn you, Cyprus. <laughs> Did you watch the final? Did I watch the final? I can't, I can't remember. You know, it's all a blur. Um, that time, those months, it's kind of all a blur. I, I can only remember specific moments and I can remember feelings. Yeah. Um, but I can't really remember specific events. Uh, so I have to tell you the truth. I, I can't remember. Lena and Germany won with satellite. Yes, yes. Was she one of your favorites? Um, sure. I, I think she was really cool. She was very relaxed. She felt very in tune with what she did. And um, yeah, I really, um, I really congratulated her on winning. I think she was great.
continued your solo career, and amongst other places, you went to the United States to record music songs. Have you ever felt that the flop in Eurovision has hindered your career? Huh, that's a good question. Well, I I definitely believe that it kind of um, in in some ways slowed my career down in Sweden. Uh, but not winning or not not making it to the final in in the Eurovision Song Contest actually enabled for me to go to the to to the United States and work with one of my um, greatest idols, um, the the producer Larry, Larry Klein. I don't believe that that um, the stars would have uh, been aligned for me to do that if I had um, had uh, success in the Eurovision Song Contest because then you're touring Europe and you know all of that happens so I believe that the fact that I didn't make it to the final in the Eurovision Song Contest uh, opened new doors for me and I got to work in America instead at least that's the the way I want to look at it. Your father is an anesthesiologist well, he makes people sleep. And in 2016, <laughs> you started your medical career. How did this come about? Um, I've always wanted to become a doctor. Um, there's this school assignment from um, from when I was seven years old, maybe. Um, uh, and the assignment was that that we were we were supposed to write um, where we will be and what we will do 20 years from now or something like that. And I wrote that I was going to be a doctor and a singer. So those two dreams have been with me since I was a small child. And I've been very inspired by my father. He always came home from work um, being very upbeat and inspired and glad from his uh, work. Uh, so he has really inspired me. And I've always been interested in the human body. You know, it's it's like its own universe and there's so much to learn uh, and so much to teach too. Um, so, so yeah, that has been a goal of mine since I was a child. A few years later, right in the middle of your studies, you returned to the Swedish pre-selection. Was this the first time you tried since 2010? Yes, this was the first time I tried. Um, I had, you know, songwriters uh, sending me songs and like having ideas of me entering, uh, but I had always um, declined. <laughs> yeah. and, and this time me and uh, Bobby Jungren and Thomas Gerson and Erik Bernholm wrote a song that I couldn't really resist. and. Uh, Dennis Bruckner and Sein Odenstol entered the team as um, the creative minds behind uh, the number, and I just really couldn't say no. I was I was kind of terrified. I was really nervous, and you know all these thoughts in my head with the fiasco in your recent song contest, and you know having won uh, once, um, you know I couldn't really do any better than winning this time. So it, I had really mixed emotions, but I realized that I just had to make the leap. I had to believe in myself uh, once again. And I'm really thankful that I had, that I was able to um, have that mindset and that I was able to be brave enough to do it because it's, it's really a brave thing to enter a competition in music where you really put your soul and your heart on display for everyone and you get an immediate response in whether um, the audience have liked it or not. 
in actual points. So、um, it was frightening, but I I don't regret、uh, a second of entering again. The song we are talking about is "Ashes to Ashes" and not "Rashes to Rashes."You stood in the middle of a misty forest, as we do here in Sweden. For those who haven't seen it, it was an impressive effect with several gigantic tree trunks and half of a florist shop on stage. <laughs> Tell me about this、uh, staging. Well, it's created by Dennis Bruckner and Sine Odenstol, and they are really masterminds of Melodi Festival. And I believe now they've won five or six times in a row. Um, so they are really geniuses when it comes to the visuals,、um, the feeling of the number, and you know,、uh, putting the audience into a whole new world. And they always come up with the most amazing idea. And I've worked with them now two times in Melodi Festival, and and they are really inspiring. And They make their artists grow so much in the process. I, I believe that you know、um, my development as、uh, a performing artist was、um, you know a journey that I would have made otherwise in like ten years. I made with them in a couple of months. Yeah. So they are they are true masterminds. John Lundvik and the Mamas won this year, and among the twelve songs, you ended up at number ten. I remember myself being very shocked about your place. How about you? No, I was I was thrilled.、Um, even having made it to the finals,、um, being away from the Lidfestvalen for nine years,、um, I wasn't sure anyone was going to remember me. I wasn't sure that anyone was going to vote for me, and a lot of people did. You know. Um, I did hundreds of. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I was really satisfied just just having made it to the finals, and you know, after that, I toured Sweden and I got to do shows in in Europe in Europe, and、um, it was really a kickstart to my career once again. Eurovision in 2019 was held in Israel, and during a sunny walk from Jaffa to Tel Aviv, do you know who I met? Did you meet my father? Yes. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> he told me that he was so convinced that you would win with Ashes to Ashes, so he bought a ticket to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, he's crazy. This is a lovely story, I think. Yeah, and he actually called me when he had met you guys, and he was like, "I met, I met some Swedish Eurovision fans and and reporters, and they were great." And I told them that I thought you were going to win. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I said it anyway. <laughs> I thought it was oh so nice, oh lovely. It's a lovely memory. He also told me that you had the winning song for the next year already. <laughs> 
he's my he's my biggest fan and you know he's my father and um he he brags about me all the time all his co-workers know everything about me and every little step i take they know everything he can't seem to stop talking about me <laughs> <laughs> well you showed up at the pre-selection the next year with the fan favorite kingdom come Mm-hmm. And I covered Melody Festival in last year, and I remember how flawed and astonished I was by your performance already at the first rehearsal. Thank you. Please tell me about this extremely gorgeous act. Thank you so much. Um, well, last year I I decided to take a break from medical school um, in November, and I I. I decided to focus entirely on the competition. So, you know, I got a gym membership, I got a PT, um, and I practiced um, the choreography with Sainold and Stoll uh, several times a week. Uh, I went to a vocal co- coach for the first time in 10 years. So I really put my all into, into the number. And so did everybody else. It was just one of those experiences when everything is right and everything everyone is um in their right place and you know the dancers gave me so much strength and inspiration on stage you know just given giving them a glance i just felt like um the queen of the world and really like a rock star yet again yeah it gives me goosebumps just talking about it now because it was kind of a surreal experience you know i felt like lady gaga or beyonce or something like that and i was really so in tune with um with the song with the choreography with everything really and it was it was um a once in a lifetime experience when everything was just right for for me my kingdom come and on and on and on Is it true about guys who wear kilts? <laughs> What's the expression about guys who wear kilts? <laughs> oh, they have to wear them because they can't wear jeans, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have no idea because I didn't look under the skirts. <laughs> What did your dress cost? Oh, that's a good question. You know, it's custom made for me by Lars Wallin. We had several sessions um, working on it. Uh, it's covered in these shiny stones and he worked really hard on it. And, um, you know, no matter the cost, it was worth every penny because he is the best and it was custom made for me. And that's just another once in a lifetime experiences. So, yeah. Your creative director, Dennis Bruckner, told me during one of the after parties in one of the cities after one or ten drinks that you were the <laughs> one artist that had done your homework the best. Oh, thank you, Dennis. Yeah, I just look at myself as uh, the adept of Dennis Bruckner and Sein Odenstol, and I really just admire them so much. So I didn't want to fail them in any way. So um, I worked hard. Yeah, I did. Uh, and I know you really, really wanted to win this year. 
Yes. Yes, I did. Who did you see as the biggest threat among the songs? Um, well, actually, uh, after the, having heard uh, The Mamas the first time, I actually said that this, this could really win. And I really love the song and I love The Mamas. They're great vocalists, um, the best vocalists in uh, last year's competition, I believe. And Dotter is amazing too, so I, I believe I consider the Mamas and Dotter as my biggest uh, competition. beat Dotter and her bulletproof with only one point and you got a third place and now I wonder yes. Eurovision last year got cancelled as we all know are you grateful today that you didn't win and got snubbed to compete again in the final <laughs> well that that would have been really ironic um, having not made it to the final the first time and then you know having had the pandemic uh, stop me from competing that would have been terrible um, but when it comes to things that I can't really control, um, like a pandemic, um, I don't really get that affected. I only get affected when I believe that I didn't put my all into it or that I had a bad day. Um, it, it's, it's those occasions when I, when I feel like, um, um, when I feel, when I feel, um, uh, down or when I feel like I put myself down. So, um, I, I believe that I would have handled it um, good. In two days, you will compete in the Swedish pre-selection as a composer. Tell me about the song The Silence you have written for Frida Gren. Yes, I wrote it together with Bobby Ungren, David Lindgren Zacharias and Joy Deb. Um, I believe we wrote it, uh, let's see, it was this spring, summer um, and um, Bobby and David had written a melody and they wanted me to uh, write the lyrics and uh, sing the demo on the song and um, at first we thought maybe this could be a song for me um, but then we um, we wanted to try and pitch it and uh, Frida came along and she just sang beautifully she has um, um, an amazing voice and she's she has such a great personality and uh, we ended up um, wanting her to do it instead and um, yeah it's a big song I believe that she will perform it uh, very well and I have actually quite high hopes for for Saturday for this for this competition I believe that that she she has a chance of uh, making it has your dad booked a ticket already along with Frida's dad to Rotterdam <laughs> yes they have <laughs> <laughs> when will you come back as an artist in the contest? Mm, you know, Melody Festivalen has this thing of just luring people back. Um, I can't really see myself, um, you know, never coming back. I want to come back. I want to win again. I want my revenge in Eurovision Song Contest. And um, I, I, I believe that, that that is possible. I believe that I can make it back. 
You do understand that we want a Kingdom Come 2.0? <laughs> well, I will give it to you. <laughs> Great. What's your nearest future plans? Um, my nearest future plans is becoming what we call in, in Sweden um, underläkare, uh, which is after the ninth semester of this education. And for me, it will be in June. And now with this whole pandemic, I've, I've gotten the chance to, um, to go back to school and, and finish my studies um, and become a medical doctor. Um, so I, I'm doing that parallel with uh, writing new songs. Um, I'm doing a few TV shows and, you know, just, just keeping healthy and staying safe and making sure that I, um, um, that I, that, that I, uh, you know, don't get sick and, um, I hang out with, um, my boyfriend only. I don't see anybody else. Um, and I just try to, to, um, come through this pandemic, um, and uh, yeah, so new songs, a new degree in medicine, and hopefully, hopefully, if the the vaccination program works out the way that we um, that we uh, hope it will, um, I can get back on stage. Hopefully, at at the end of the summer, maybe. Great! Thank you so much for this lovely chat, Anna. Thank you, Emil. And thanks to you, my listeners, who come to my kingdom. I hope you enjoyed this chit-chat with me and the lovely Dr. McDreamy. You find us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can always contact me at emil.slagervallena.se. Let's keep in touch, Anna. See you soon. Thank you so much, Emil. And please send my love to your father. I hope to meet him in Rotterdam. <laughs> I will. I will. This is my life, my friend. And I can't be. No.